been a series for quite some time now, for a couple of months, and many of you were in life groups and studies this morning, got to see what we're calling episode one of a new series that, uh, entitled Not a Fan. So we're going to start off this morning with a little uh, little survey this morning, okay? H- how many of you, when you were younger, uh, ever had a lemonade stand? Anybody have a lemonade stand when you were younger? Yeah, anybody still doing that? Is that the economy's been tough, and so just a suggestion, something to pray about, right? But most of the time, uh, nobody ends up going into the lemonade stand profession. No, no one makes that a career choice. Uh, but there actually are some professional lemonade stands out there. So logic would say that at some point in time, some kid uh, started off like many of us and raised his hand and said, yeah, I was out there for us. It was always uh, the, the garage sale uh, lemonade stand, right? Uh, no one would, would, you know, would, would buy your stuff at garage sale because it was honestly it was stuff you were trying to throw away. But you thought maybe someone would actually pay you for it instead of throwing it away. And so they would come and they would look at your stuff. Or my favorite in the garage sale, the slow drive-by. You know that? You know, at, our, at ours, I'm just I'm kind of laid back. So when someone drives by at our garage sale, I just stand up and do this, you know? But here's what you do. If you ever want to get a buck out of someone, put a little kid with a sad face in a lemonade stand, and they're going to give some money, right? At some point in time, someone makes that a career. But maybe some kid starts off like that, and that's how a professional lemonade stand person started off. They just had a rickety little stand, maybe at a garage sale, and they, uh, it was a hot day in the neighborhood, and so they sold cups for, for 50 cents, and they did pretty well, and they made some money. And so they decided they would uh, set up at a middle school baseball game. It was real hot out there. It was the middle of the summer, so they upped their price to $2 a glass, and then they start making some serious money. Then all of a sudden, they start getting invited to all of these events and all these different places, and uh, he's getting really busy. He's going all over the town. Uh, he, he may be that guy at King's Island with the lemonade shake-up that's like eight ninety-five for for four ounces, right? And so, so he's all over. He's taking huge orders. He's got to make special lemon orders. He's having them shipped in from all over the country. And it's a lot busier. And he's got spreadsheets, and it's a lot. Pro, it's more professional. And all of a sudden, uh, he, he gets to this point where it becomes incredibly time-consuming. And what started off as this little rickety stand that all of us have worked at at one point in time grows to the point where he kind of comes to this crossroads and he realizes this, that I've got to make a choice. Is this a hobby or is this something worth investing my life in? Now, many of us, uh, we, we would say, you know what, <laughs> maybe I should go into eliminate stand business or my kid doesn't even know what a spreadsheet is. Or, What's the deal with that? But they come to this place and they all of us have this place in life. Where you're involved in something and you realize you come to a crossroads and you have to ask a question. Is this a hobby? Is this something I enjoy doing? Or is this something that I'm going to invest my life in from here until Jesus comes back? Right. We all have those crossroads areas in our life. It happens in business. It happens in different dynamics. I think most often it happens in relationships, does it not? Uh, see, we're going to show a little clip here and see if this uh, clip seems familiar uh, in any relationship uh, context that you've ever had in your life. DTR. Some of you will recognize what those letters stand for. If you're not sure, let me help you out. If you are a young man in a relationship with a young woman, then uh, chances are these letters are enough to strike fear into your heart. You may run away from, postpone, you may dread the DTR talk. Some young men will even terminate a relationship if they feel like the DTR talk is imminent. It is that official talk that takes place in every romantic relationship. Do you know what it stands for, DTR? Define the relationship. 
you sit down and you decide where things are going. Have things moved from casual to committed? I remember this uh, date I went on in high school. On the very first date, the girl tried to have the DTR talk with me. First date, DTR. I got out of their PDQ. I just <laughs> ran away. By the way, PDQ, for those of you who didn't catch, pretty darn quick, right? And so, girls, if you're, if you're dating someone, you're really not that into them, just all you got to do is sit down and say, hey, let's talk about where we are in our relationship. That thing's over, right? Well, guess what? Uh, there is this stuff. The next several weeks, uh, we are going to examine our relationships with Jesus in this Not A Fan series. We're going to begin defining the relationship uh, with Jesus. Now, some, some of you, uh, that may make you a little anxious. You're not, you're not ready for that talk. This is maybe kind of, you're on the entry stage or, or even a first date. You're a guest here this morning. And so that kind of strikes a little fear in you. And you're just not quite ready for the talk. And so you're thinking PDQ sounds, sounds pretty good. But let me just encourage you to hang with us, okay? But I think most of us who have been walking with Jesus for any length of time, we welcome that DTR talk. We welcome the chance to take and evaluate where we are and say, okay, listen, I'm ready to move this thing to the next level. I'm ready to grow deeper and stronger in my commitments and find out where we stand with Jesus. And you'll find out that's actually the invitation that He's offering us over and over and over in the pages of Scripture. We find it uh, in verses like in Luke chapter 9. There's a, a passage here you may be familiar with. It says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Some of you welcome that and you understand what that looks like. And some of you just that that makes you a little anxious, because if you were honest this morning, uh, the kind of where you're at with Jesus, it's, it's comfortable. I mean, you get some benefits from it and, and, you know, but you're not you're not totally sure what it looks like to totally take the next step or, or surrender everything and become this, uh, you know, what what some would define as a completely fanatic. I mean, you like Jesus, but you're not sure if you're ready to go there. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I mean, you would have thought if he was really nice, he would have helped the Broncos out a little bit last night. Amen? Yeah, can I just share that? But you're not sure what that looks like. And you like church. You like coming on the weekends. You like the music. And there's some great people here. You've got some relationships. And there's free coffee out there and, and those things. But, but, but it just makes you a little angry. It makes stir up a little fight or flight fear inside of you when we talk about becoming a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. So here's a question I wanted to find as we start out this series this morning. In looking objectively in your life, and if Christ were looking in there, He could speak directly to you this morning. The question He would ask is this. Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? And I think we're going to encounter when He's asking that question in John chapter 6 this morning. So you can follow along on the screens or you can take your Bibles and you can turn there this morning. As we begin to examine this over the next several weeks, am I a fan of Jesus or would they describe me as a follower? Now, we would get a little defensive and push back and go, well, of course I'm a follower. I'm here. Listen, I'm here, so I'm absolutely a follower. Why would you ask that? Well, don't jump to too many conclusions. Hear me out this morning. Because a fan is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. Now, we're all fans of different things, are we not? Uh, some people are fans of sports, and you, you've got the jersey, and you, you root, and you, you, know, you scream at the TV. They can't hear you. Uh, but it doesn't matter. You scream anyway at the TV, right, when that's going on. Anyone sitting next to someone like that? Yeah, just point them out because they won't confess it, right? And so we, uh, we understand that. We understand this whole idea of being a fan. And my concern is this. Is that if we're not careful, as the church grows and more and more people come, that, that's an exciting thing. If we're not intentional about the real invitation of Jesus, then guess what? We have the potential to come into this place and gather a large room, a stadium full of fans. 
You say, well, that, that's, I mean, is that a bad thing? I mean, when we talk about churches and successful churches and, and God you know, who is blessing a church, we kind of have these uh, categories. We call them the four B's in, in pastoral work. Budgets, buildings, uh, bodies, and baptisms, right? <laughs> and so as long as the four B's are being checked off and bodies are one of the four B's, and then if we fill this place up with a bunch of fans, I mean, that's a, that's a win, right? Well, not exactly, because the reality is this. There's one small problem. Jesus never cared about having fans. That didn't impress him one bit. If you look at a fan as an enthusiastic admirer, Jesus never cared in all of his ministry about gathering a big group of fans. And so we're going to drop it on that so we can discover this principle together in John chapter 6. And so, because uh, we're not careful, then guess what? We come together and we worship and uh, we, we applaud at certain times and we, we, you know, we, we uh, somehow think that, if, that, that, hey, that was good. We, we leave, we evaluate the sermon. We get, you know, we give the worship set, you know, they sing the songs I like, or, you know, thumbs up, thumbs up, whatever the case is. And we can leave and think it was all for us because we're fans. And so I'm going to drop us in on a conversation this morning in John chapter 6. As Jesus begins to uh, gather this crowd, let me get a little context. He, he's gathering this crowd. And we're going to find out at the beginning of John chapter 6. We're going to spend our time in verses 60 through 69 primarily this morning. But when we see the context of this, all these people, by this time, Jesus was getting incredibly popular. And all these, what we would describe throughout the series as fans, began to gather around him by the thousands. And so we look at that and say, hey, that's a success. I and mean, that's what he's after, right? To draw a crowd. And that's what we're after, to draw a crowd. But as we begin to delve into this conversation, we find out uh, that Jesus was not that impressed when large crowds gathered around him. So let's drop it on this uh, in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60 this morning. So he's gathered this crowd and, and he's teaching and uh, he, he's teaching. So here's what it says. It says, uh, verse 60, therefore, many of his disciples. Now we see disciple, we think, you know, total follower, right? Disciples, anyone who's following, it could be an external kind of a thing, Okay. So many of his disciples or those who were following, at least externally, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand that? He just laid down some teaching, gathers this huge crowd in the preceding verses and laid down an incredibly challenging truth. Okay, so all the people who externally been following the caravan around and, and wanting to be near Jesus, he just lays out this incredibly tough teaching. And basically, they, they come and they want all these blessings, all these things. Jesus lays it out and says, hey, how, how do you like them apples, right? So my four-year-old asked me this week, Dad, how do you like them apples? <laughs> and so he lays that out. And then in verse 61, And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? If the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, listen to this. From that time forward, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? He turns to those who would seem to be following the closest. You want some too? 
But Simon Peter, the spokesman, answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Kind of implying there, the Lord, I would never deny you, right? <laughs> and so this, this question, this defining this relationship, when we walk through this passage and Jesus is gathering this crowd and he lays it out and says, hey, listen, I know that you're enjoying this, but here's what this really looks like. And from that point forward, many people, it says, walked away. I mean, did Jesus really do that? I mean, didn't Jesus know anything about church growth? That when you have a crowd gathered, that, that your primary goal is to get them to keep coming back. And the more they come back, then eventually, uh, guess what? That they'll stay with you. And that's a success. But Jesus was not interested in fans at all. So when he gathers this crowd, he intentionally lays out this truth, this challenging truth that says, you know what? If you want to walk with me and truly follow me and be a disciple on the inside and not just externally, then this is what this looks like. And a lot of those people, it says, said, you know what? I didn't sign up for that. And I like the other part. I like the benefits, but, but I have no desire to that. And it says many of them walked away. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus interviewing the pastor at church? Well, tell us about your speaking experience. Oh, I spoke, to, I spoke at one event. There were tens of thousands of people. Well, how'd it go? Well, at the end of it, many of them said I would never listen to him teach again. It was phenomenal, right? That's exactly what happened. And why is that? It's because he had no desire for fans, but desperately was inviting people to follow. So as we walk through this passage this morning, we're going to answer three questions that you have to define as we start this series out this morning. The first question is this, is simply, why are you here? Why are you here? If you read Jesus' ministry at different points in the Gospels, uh, he, he would kind of draw a line in the sand. And people are loving the benefits, and, and you know everybody wants to be associated with someone that's like a celebrity, Right? And he would, he would realize that and he would recognize what people were doing and what their motives were. And so he would draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? This is what this looks like. Walk across if you want. And most people walked in the other direction. So in John chapter 6, Jesus is at the height of his ministry. These people are following him. But look back at the beginning of John chapter 6. What, what, why was that such a hard truth for them? I mean, why did Jesus lay that out? Why does the Bible say that many people walked away from him? Look at John chapter 6. Look at verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him because, here's the reason, they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And they were just long for the show. I mean, it was the greatest show on earth. They had never seen anything like this. And they said, I want to be around that. And I, I want to be a part of that. And I want to be associated with that movement. And so that, that's the question that Jesus is laying out for all of us this morning is, why are you here? What motivates you? What's your because? Is it because you like the free coffee? Is it because you think the seats are comfortable? Or maybe you really like the music. It's because, maybe it's because you're, you, you like the fact that your kids come here and it's safe and they can build friends here easier. Well, what is the Because. And all those things are not necessarily bad reasons to begin. But can I, can I share with you this morning that if those are your becauses, then guess what? It's time to define the relationship. You see, because Jesus' because is this, is that He has no interest in fans, but He's desperately looking for followers. He's inviting you to follow Him in some uncharted waters that would radically change your life. So verse 66, look what it says again. Just review that. Imagine that. We would never look at this as a successful ministry event. Verse 66 says this, answering the question, why are you here? Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
And so Jesus looks at the crowd that had gathered. And he basically asks the question, why are you here? And he lays it out and he says, I don't know why you're here, but this is why I'm here. And this is my message. And this is my mission. And if you want to follow, that's totally fine. But the majority of them, it says in verse 66, walked away and followed him no more. Did, did you get that? It, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a waffle. It wasn't this kind of, you know what? I'm going to step back a little bit. I'm going to evaluate this. And, and yeah, I, I think I'm going to do this. And oh, I struggle a bit. No, the text says in verse 66 that they walked away and followed him. What? No more. Never again. Do you realize that? That the majority of people in Jesus' ministry rejected Him and walked away from Him. Because Jesus is not looking for the, for the majority of people who are a little like Him. He's looking for the minority who are a lot like Him. He's looking for followers, not fans. And so, in defining that relationship, you've got to ask yourself the question, why am I here? What is it that I'm, that I'm motivated by? What is the cause that wants it? The second question we need to ask ourselves is this. Why are you here? Number one. Number two, are you all in? Are you all in? You see, I think this is the greatest myth that we've promoted in, in churches over the last probably 10, 20 years. Is that we have this movement where it says, you know, just don't, don't challenge people. Don't call them to radical commitment. You know, just, just, let them, just let them stay on the surface their whole life. Just let them kind of you know, drift out there. And if they want to be committed, that's fine. But if they don't, that, that's okay too. But here's the reality. When you look at the message of Scripture and the message specifically of Jesus in the Scripture, you don't find the option of selective commitment with Jesus. I mean, no one ever came along and Jesus invited someone to follow. And no one ever came along and said, you know what? I'm, listen, I'm in. Count me in. Fifty percent. I'm in. Or, I, or I'm, you know, I'm at 70%. I, I'm totally in. No, Jesus said, you're either in or you're out. And so a follower of Jesus will do whatever it takes. And so he, he, here's a challenging thought this morning. Do you realize this? That it's entirely possible to be externally following Jesus, to be named among the disciples, but internally you're not even close. You're not even close. Where do I find that? I look, at, look at verse 66 again. Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, now, now listen, if there's anybody who he shouldn't have to ask this, right? So anybody who literally is, is walking with him for the longest period of time at the closest possible level, it would have been the twelve. And so in verse 67, Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Do you want some too, right? And then Simon Peter says, Lord, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so here's what Jesus was, was challenging them on. What He's challenging us this morning is this. Are you simply going through the motions? Are you playing church? Are you following externally with all the right habits, but internally there's nothing going on? Your heart doesn't pant hard for the thought of an encounter with Jesus. That you like everything the way it is and your work life's pretty settled and your home life's pretty settled and your church life is pretty settled. And if any of those things got out of balance, it would radically alter the course of your life. And you're not totally sure that that's what you signed up for. So we have this idea that, that following Jesus can be kind of this half-hearted commitment or selective uh, commitments, customized Christianity. Often we look at our relationship with Jesus and we say, uh, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus, but uh, totally on my terms, right? And I'm going to follow Jesus, but, but, but don't ask me to forgive that person. I know he said that, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know, you don't know how vicious they were. So I know he said that, but don't ask me to do that because I'm going to take this and I'm going to leave that part alone. Or don't ask, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus, 
But it's a, it's a, do not talk about my checkbook, okay? Because if you do that, I'm going to go find another church that, that, that won't do that. You know, it looks like, I totally want to follow Jesus, but don't talk to me about, about my finances because that area is off limits. When I'm going to follow Jesus, but, but don't tell me to abstain and, and, and pursue sexual purity and, and desire, uh, deny these desires that, that, that God has given me. Because, listen, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus, but that part there, that is totally off limits. I'm going to follow Him on my terms, and you're way out of bounds forever asking me to do that. And so we have this idea that I can totally follow Jesus and I can define the terms and, and I can pick, pick, pick the rates and the length, right? And I can do all these things and these are things I'm going to do and these are things I'm not going to do. But hear me this morning. I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh, but I do want to be honest this morning. If you're following Jesus under your terms, where you say these are things I'm going to do and these are things I'm totally unwilling to do, they're off limits. As a matter of fact, when you address them, I'm going to get incredibly offended because I'm not willing to do those things. And hear me this morning, no matter what you've told yourself this morning, no matter all the external habits, you're not a follower. You're totally a fan. You're not, you're not even a believer this morning. And I'm not being harsh. I'm not trying to be honest, but let's just get real about the fact that over and over and over, the invitation of Jesus in the Scriptures was not this. It was not believe in me. It was not agree with me with certain things. It was not even repeat, repeat this prayer after me. You know what the invitation was over and over and over in the Gospels was? It was what? Follow me. Follow me. We've created this culture where, where we honestly, we've promoted this idea in our church. That you can be a Christian, but not a Christ follower. Now, how silly is that? You know what the definition of a Christian is? It's a Christ follower. But we've created this faith, and let's just be honest why we've done it. Because it's incredibly marketable, right? Because it, it, it doesn't turn crowds away, it draws crowds. Because we're selling the benefits of Jesus, but not the high cost of following Him. And so we have this idea that doesn't even make sense that, yes, a Christian is a Christ follower. And you can be a Christian, but you don't have to follow Christ. That's totally optional. Can I burst your bubble this morning? You won't find that gospel anywhere on the pages of Scripture. And we've reinvented the gospel. And guess what? If we reinvent the gospel, then it no longer has the power to save and change lives for the glory of God. And so are you all in is the question. And over and over, it's the invitation of Jesus. And we've offered up the attractive and marketable Jesus as Savior because He's the one who forgives sins and gets us into heaven, but we put the Jesus is Lord, and the word Lord in the Greek means Master, in the fine print. And then in the church, we sit back and we criticize people and go, well, they're not committed, and I can't count, you know, the past, <laughs> you know what goes on in pastors' meetings? Sometimes it's bellyaching about who has the worst church, right? Oh, this assignment's so bad. Oh, God's put me on the barren. My folks won't follow. I see, you know what, our folks, I, we just, we teach the Bible at our church and, and our folks love it and we just, we, we just lay it out there and here's the real deal and you can take it. Our folks just say, bring it on. It's not the experience we have at all. That's the invitation of Jesus. It's not about developing or accumulating fans. It's about developing followers. And so we examine the invitation of Jesus. There's no finagling. There's no cafeteria Christianity where I'm going to take this and I'm going to leave down the line. I'm going to take some of that, but I'm going to leave that totally. This isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way, okay? This is the words of Jesus. And he's laying out this invitation and says, hey, listen, 
Here it is. And many may walk away from it, and many may walk away, and you may be hearing this this morning, you may say, I am never going back to that church. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, and listen, and Jesus, that's okay. Because I'm not interested in fans. I'm looking for followers. And so are you all in? Are you all in? So defining the relationship, we've asked, why are you here? We've asked, are you all in? And thirdly and lastly, this is the most important this morning, have you made it your own? Do you own your own faith? Look at verse 69. Peter's responding, always quick to respond. Maybe at times before he even thinks about what he's saying. We find out later in Scripture. And he says, also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter's trying to convince Jesus and, and maybe even himself that, you know what, I've made this faith my own. Listen, I can declare that credo that you are the Christ because I have totally owned my faith. And so the question is this morning, have you made it your own? Now, my guess is this morning when I look at statistics across church life is that many of you started going to church because your parents went to church and they brought you to church and, and your mom made you, you know, made you feel guilty. You know, prayed down the stomach bug if you didn't get out of bed in the morning. You know, just, just something like, I don't know what it was like that. Or your dad said you had to, you know, you know just <laughs> you're going to church. You're going to have a we're going to church to learn about Jesus and you're going to enjoy it. Really? You get in the car the whole way, you know, I mean, just turn around. I, I'm going to wear you out and then turn around to the kids and tell them the same. I'm going to get you too, right. Just I mean, nobody's safe in the car on the way to church, right? Then you walk in, just, ah, oh, you, you wait too. And then, hey, God, good to, good to see you this morning. God, how you doing? Great. Great. The kids are like, you know, hypocrite. And so maybe growing up, there wasn't an option for you. You know, you grew up, you had a drug problem. Parents drug you to church every time the doors are open. We're, we're going and you're going to like it. And you're going to learn about the love of Jesus or I will wear you out. Or maybe you started coming because uh, a boyfriend or girlfriend came. Right? I did youth ministry for a year. You know what we called that? We called that targeted evangelism. They started, and, and, and maybe you came because your, your spouse you know, kind of got them, can we just get honest this morning, kind of got them off your back a little bit. You came because they liked it when you came and because it appeases them. And, and hear, hear me this morning, those aren't bad things, but here's the danger this morning. That if you came uh, because you grew up in church and you were made to go, or you attend church to appease someone else, a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, you know, whatever the case is, it's really easy to become a fan if that's the case. It's really easy just to kind of drift into that where you say, this isn't my deal. You know, I, I, this, is, this is kind of their deal, but I'm just along for the ride. It's not really, you know, it's not something I would pursue personally left on my own initiative. But I'm just, you know, it's not, it's not hateful. It's like riding in the car with someone that's, that they turn the dial. It's not really music that you would turn the dial to. But it's not, it's not horrible. Listen, I've, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, okay? And so I can sing for you most of the Justin Bieber song. Now listen, I, I don't... Baby, 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 oh. You know, I mean, now listen. That, listen, that never happened. You know, that never, that never, okay. And I don't hate the beeps. 
but I wouldn't say I'm a follower, okay? I may be a fan, right? It just kind of kind of grows on you like a like a fungus or I don't know, something like that, right? But you just, you know, you kind of get and you just kind of hum the words. And you know, now, if you're in the car, listen, you're never you're never turning the beeps on, right? Not as a grown person, or at least you're not admitting it, right? And so we just kind of get in the groove and we know the songs and we know some of the stories in the Bible. And, and it's, it's not ours. Now, if that person quit coming, we'd probably quit coming, too, because but we're, you know, we're kind of fans. It's easy to drift in that, just kind of get in the flow of things. But it's a dangerous situation to be in, because hear me this morning. If that's where you find yourself this morning, then guess what happens over the course of time? You just get numb to the real things, what happens. You just get totally inoculated to a real conversion experience. And you just think, you know, what? I'm a fan and I know the songs and I'm kind of humming along and I'm, you know, right. And you never cross the boundaries of being into a follower because you just numb yourself to the real thing. Let me ask you an important question as we kind of head down the home stretch this morning. Here's an important question. That's not the litmus test, litmus test of genuine faith uh, for someone who's owned it, but it's a good test. Here's a question. What is the last time? that you changed a belief, opinion, or behavior because of something you encountered in the Word of God. You see, fans listen to truth, and they say, hey, I like that, I'm going to cheer, and I'm going to lift my hands, and it's a Baptist church, so I'm only going to go this high, right? Because, you know, so, so I'm going to say amen to that. But that other stuff and that talk about purity and finances and dying to yourself, I, I'm not going to cheer that because I'm a fan. And as long as I'm a fan, it's selective about what I want to cheer about. And so when's the last time that you heard something taught from the Word of God? And I, I pastored for about ten and a half years now. And I can't tell you that how many times that I've encountered people who've been listening to hundreds and hundreds of sermons, maybe thousands of sermons over the course of their life, but, but they never change their mind about anything. They never change their behavior. They never alter their opinions to conform to the authority of Scripture. And why is that? It's because they're not following. They're just total fans cheering what they like and disregarding what they don't agree with. So you have to make your faith your own. Because here, here's the reality this morning. We're going to close. Jesus is not looking for a relationship between you and your mom and him. He's not looking for a relationship between you and your spouse in him. He's looking for a relationship with you and you alone. He's asking you this morning, are you wanting to stay a fan and cheer what you like and throw the other stuff in the garbage? Or do you want to really start following? He's asking you to divide the line and say, listen, if that person that you're appeasing, if they if they weren't if they weren't following, would you would you even attend? Would you would you even pretend to be a fan? Because the invitation is not between you and that other person. The invitation is between you and Jesus Christ this morning. And the question he's asking, and we're going to be asking for this whole series, is this. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you just a fan? Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, meaning putting them second, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life or desires, passions, you know, that, that's really what that means, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Not it's going to be hard. He said he cannot be my disciple. And so this is about, as we start this year, this is about you and Jesus. And the question that we're going to ask the next few weeks, 
The question I'm going to ask one final time in closing this morning is that when you look objectively this morning, when you allow the Spirit of God to press down on your heart this morning, are you a follower of Jesus Christ or are you just a fan? Would you bow your heads this morning?